Welcome to CPAC's Today in Politics. It's Monday, March 27th. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Here are the big political stories we're talking about today. A look at reaction to the closure of the Roxham Road irregular border crossing. Keeping people safe also includes keeping asylum seekers safe, keeping our borders secure, and keeping our immigration system strong. And we break down some of the expectations for tomorrow's federal budget. We want to see real action in the budget to address those concerns. How can we make life more affordable? How do we invest in the things that people need? Joining us is Rob Russo, political analyst and former CBC Parliamentary Bureau Chief. Good morning, Rob. Hey, Julie. How are you? I'm doing really well, and thanks for joining me. So, uh, that was quite a visit uh, from the U.S. president on Friday, and a lot of things happened kind of late in the day, but one of the most dramatic announcements, I would think, to come out of it was the closing of Roxham Road, that passing uh, where migrants cross over from New York State, just south of Montreal, and it closed very suddenly, just hours after the president left the country. So what's been the fallout of that? Um, well, there, there are a couple of things. Uh, one of them, I think, uh, is, is going to is a kind of a humanitarian fallout. And the other one is going to be a political fallout. Let, let, we'll dispose with the political fallout first. Um, you know, the, it came out that this agreement has essentially been in the bag now, probably for about a year. So the prime minister is going to have to explain why uh, he sat on this until uh, the, the president turned up? Was it because he, not, he wanted a, a centerpiece agreement, a, a, an, in effect, a big win, a bauble? Uh, and, and meantime, all kinds of strain was being put on uh, social systems in uh, Eastern Ontario and, and in Quebec? Uh, or is it, as some around him have noted, uh, that, that they didn't want to stampede uh, towards the border? But a year is a long, long time to sit on a deal and he's got some splaining to do, as they say. Uh, the, the second fallout, of course, is humanitarian. When, when you go from making an announcement uh, around noon one day, and then 12 hours later, a huge government policy like this is suddenly enacted, uh, lots of people are going to be caught unawares. And that's exactly what happened. Um, hundreds, if not thousands, were in transit. When word came down, many people had no idea that this was the case when they showed up lugging their 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 suitcases uh, and their children across the border uh, at midnight uh, between Friday and Saturday. And, and lots of people were stunned to find out uh, at 12.01 that they were probably going to be returned to the United States. And, and again, uh, the question will be why uh, no no forewarning whatsoever. As to why it had to be done, um, look, the prime minister had very little choice. There was all kinds of uh, strain on social services and housing in, in, in and around Quebec and eastern Ontario. And the political imperative for him was, was, uh, was well, it's very strong uh, because let's not forget that his Chateau Four, his home base is still the province of Quebec. And it had become a, a huge issue there that the border was essentially open. Uh, that people could just walk across, uh, that uh, the usual rigor in terms of uh, border security was not being applied, uh, and, and, and that, that uh, the, the province of Quebec was, was paying uh, out of pocket for a lot of this stuff. Uh, this is a PM who still counts on seats in Quebec to put them over the top and into minor, minority territory at a minimum, so he had to do something. 
Hmm. Well, that's really interesting because you're you're right. Some of the reaction, uh, political reaction, certainly Francois Legault is, is uh, very, very happy with the outcome because, as you say, his province had been bearing a lot of the burden. Um, uh, but in terms of why it took so long, that's interesting, too, because Sean Fraser, the Minister of Immigration, was down in Washington uh, recently. Melanie Jolie, they're the, apparently the ones that have been working behind the scenes. So. Uh, I guess, like you say, we're going to have to find out were there loose ends to tie up or was this in the can a long time ago and why did he sit on it, right? So Yeah, um, now and you and I are, are, are let's say, long-time denizens of the Hill. <laughs> uh, let's, let's, let's be polite. I don't like the sound of that. Okay, uh, keep going. <laughs> we, all, all reporters were essentially given a huge head fake. They were mm. all told that nothing was going to be done on this. Exactly. Uh, you know, even 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 20, uh, 24 hours ahead of time, some reporters were still being told, even after reports surfaced uh, in, in, by Radio Canada and, and in the L.A. Times that there was a deal there. No, no, no. This is still not done when it had been in the bag for a long, long time. Now, you and I in the old days, if a source had misled us that way, we'd be pretty irate. I'd, I'd be going back to my sources if I were a reporter right. saying. Why, why, why did you mislead me like that? Yeah. Well, and it's and interesting too because the American ambassador, you know, he was doing interviews. I heard him in one a few days ago, uh, and Mr. Cohen was saying, you know, look, if if this closes, people are going to come in uh, at another. You know, they'll just cross somewhere else. The prime minister had said that numerous times as well. Um, you know, so you're right; it was all being downplayed as a possibility. But certainly, one uh, immigration lawyers have have expressed concerns in the NDP. They seem to be very angry, and the, this is the, the government's dance dancing partner, right? They called the decision shocking and appalling, and and uh, that it was done in secret. Is that problematic at all for the Liberal government? Um, it it it, uh, it doesn't look like it's going to be one of those things that busts the uh, confidence and supply agreement between the government and the NDP and the NDP. Look, the pressure now squarely shifts to the people. Of, uh, of places like Plattsburgh, New York, uh, they the officials they there say they aren't ready. They were given no heads up whatsoever, and a lot of the people who were hoping to come to Canada are going to have to be settled, if not permanently, then certainly temporarily in upstate New York, and that's going to be a real problem for the, for the people of upstate New York. It, it it is it is sad to see. It tugs at the heartstrings, without a doubt. Um, you know, mothers carrying infants, hoping for a new life in Canada, only to be told. No, that's not the case. Um, so it, it's a very, very tough thing. Now, there, we should note that there are some exceptions in, in this new agreement um, and, and who want to claim asylum. They include unaccompanied uh, minors and their family members and those with documents uh, who, who are legitimate will still be able to get in there. Uh, and there's also something called um, uh, the public interest uh, exception as well. I'm not sure what that is yet, but it'll be interesting to see how broadly that, mm -hmm. that is applied mm -hmm. and whether or not that'll continue to be a magnet as a result uh, for people coming up there. For now, there are people who bought their tickets. They're on their way. Uh, and and uh, the, the heartbreak began at 12.01 on Saturday morning, but it's not over yet. No, exactly. That's that's well said. Now, um, the Biden visit, you know, I'm just wondering the budget is tomorrow. Do you see any um, any, anything that might be incorporated into the budget to look out for in the budget that came out of the Biden visit? Oh, yeah. Look, 
um, we, uh, we 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 are in a race with the Americans to 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 draw clean tech uh, jobs of the future uh, uh, jobs that involve environmental cleanup uh, electronic vehicle product production battery production. We we just won one ten days ago uh, over the United States with Volkswagen. That competition is not over. Um, what is hoped for out of the Biden visit is in a sort of a gentleman's agreement to proceed without uh, this becoming a race to the bottom. Um, so one of the things you're going to have to look for in the budget is how much of a subsidy are our uh, green tech companies going to get. There are already reports out there this morning that there's going to be a 30 percent uh, tax credit for those investing in uh, in in uh, green industry um that's that's a pretty substantial incentive i'm not sure if that's going to start a subsidy war but look uh this this frames the entire dilemma facing this government right now okay Let, let's look at what the government is going to have to spend more on they've already committed to spending more on health care they've, they've said they're going to spend more on dental care to satisfy their their casa partner uh in the ndp they're going to spend more on child care they, they say they're going to spend more on, on uh, helping those as a result of, uh, of inflation. And there's now uh, our friends at the CBC are talking about a, a grocery uh, tax credit to the GST. They got they got to increase the amount of money that, that's required to service the national debt because of the increase in in, uh, in uh, interest rates. And all this they've got to do while they've got less money coming in because of a slowing economy. How they're how they're going to thread that needle, show restraint at the same time is going to be a really difficult balancing act for uh, for Christian Freeland. You you really wonder how this can all happen when Christia Freeland said in one of her speeches last week, we will be compassionate, but fiscally responsible. It's pretty hard to be compassionate and fiscally responsible when you have big ticket items like the ones you're talking about. Um, yeah. So, so would you, would we be also be looking for like just the bottom line, uh, the days of the Paul Martin get rid of, getting rid of the deficit come hell or high water? I guess those days are long gone, right? Well, you know, the uh, uh, governments come up with projections, and and once they get over the two or three year horizon, we we know we know that uh, they're like reporters' projections; they're made to make the weather guy look good, right? <laughs> uh, so, you know. Five years from now, the, the, this government had projected that they would be in a surplus. They would no longer be in a deficit. It'll be interesting to see if that projection holds after after uh, the budget this week. Uh, that, that's one of the things you, you got to be looking for. Uh, and you got to be looking for what exactly constitutes restraint for this government. This was supposed to be the, the first budget that they would were hoping to put some sort of imprimatur on it that made them look more fiscally responsible than they had been. Now they, they acknowledge that's going to have to wait until next year, which could be the, the, well, we could have an election anytime, but they were figuring next year was going to be the budget that set them up for the election because they can't show restraint. Now the economy uh, won't allow them to show real restraint, but what constitutes restraint for this government? What did they say net no to? Exactly. And I think the, they had predicted that possibly they would be in surplus by 2027 or whatever. But I just looking through my notes here and I think the PBO had said, uh, no, at that point, it'll be an eight point 
$7 billion deficit. So who knows, but the, the, the bottom line is, I wonder if they'll use the same indicator of debt to GDP, uh, right? Yeah. I mean, there's going to be a lot yeah. to watch for, just the expenditures and how they look at the big picture. That's right. And what is what constitutes the fiscal anchor? Um, they used to it used to be, are you in deficit or are you in surplus? Well, the government decided to run deficits. They didn't have to, but they said that they were doing uh, running deficits of choice, in effect, in the first few years. And then they got walloped by the pandemic. Nobody blames them for running substantial deficits during a pandemic. Uh, but now they're caught. They're, they're caught by a slowing economy, by families in need. Uh, and and uh, it's going to be much harder for them to get out of that that spiral. And that's that's what economists always said, that once you get into deficit spending, it's very, very difficult to get out. Um, but, you know, when they talk about surpluses in five years, when most of them will be collecting their pensions, let's be let's be frank, um, we all know it's make believe. Well, this has been great, Rob. Thanks uh, so much for your insights. And we'll be uh, we certainly will have a lot to look for in the coming days between the budget and anything else going on in Ottawa. So have a wonderful day and we'll talk to you soon. Take care, Julie. That's Rob Russo, political analyst and former CBC Parliamentary Bureau Chief. Keeping people safe also includes keeping asylum seekers safe, keeping our borders secure, and keeping our immigration system strong. Now let's take a look at what political columnists, commentators, and editorialists are saying today. In the conversation, Laura Madacoro argues Justin Trudeau and Joe Biden are missing the bigger picture about migrant border crossings. She writes, the issues at play at Roxham Road are larger than any one single border crossing, official or otherwise. They are intimately connected to global political instability, economic equities, exploitation, and the enduring question of a state's capacity to be humanitarian, when it is also in the business of managing migration. If we're going to have robust and substantive conversations about migration policy and humanitarian responsibilities, then we need to zoom out beyond the immediacy of the border to better understand the interconnected circumstances that lead people to make all kinds of decisions about their lives, including the decision to move. In the Globe and Mail, Scott McKnight and Juan Carlo de Rey argue that Canada's Indo-Pacific strategy needs some liquid natural gas diplomacy. They write, in late November, Canada unveiled its Indo-Pacific strategy, aiming to reposition Canada in the region in the face of an increasingly hostile China. This strategy made no mention of liquefied natural gas, something which Canada could potentially export in abundance. Such a move could deepen trade by supplying allies with reliable and affordable energy for long periods of time, generate revenue from a key export as Canada decarbonizes its own energy sources, and reduce Canada's dependence on China and the United States. Canada has a rich history of using its natural resources to build relationships with other countries, and LNG diplomacy can be the latest chapter of that story. Now here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will attend question period. He will also attend an iftar dinner with Muslim women leaders, along with Minister for Women Marcy Ian and Transport Minister Omar Al-Gabra. Green Party leader Elizabeth May will speak with the media about her party's priorities ahead of tomorrow's budget. The Senate Committee on Official Languages will hear from Treasury Board Minister Mona Fortier. 
and Auditor General Karen Hogan will deliver four performance audit reports to the House of Commons. The following ministers will address the reports of the Auditor General and answer questions from the media. Omar Al-Gabra, Minister of Transport. The Minister of Rural Economic Development, Goody Hutchings. The Minister of Public Services and Procurement, Helena Jazek. And the Minister of International Development and Minister Responsible for the Pacific Economic Development Agency of Canada, Harjit Sajjan. That's CPAC Today in Politics for Monday, March 27th. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.